Praise the living God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Thank you, Jesus. We've all seen commercials on TV that talk about drinks, soft drinks, and so forth. We've seen many <coughs> advertisements, uh, you know, both hard and soft drinks, always trying to push something down our throats. And we've seen that commercial that says, stay thirsty, my friend, and so or something like that. We've all seen all sorts of uh, commercials, either be whether it be for hard liquor or just Coca-Cola or soft drinks. They're always trying to put something down our throats, so to speak, to drink. You go to meetings and you go to church, and many times people carry water bottles to church. In many cases, we carry water bottles out of habit. You know, not that we're really that thirsty, but we just carry it out of habit to have it there. But how many times are you really, really thirsty? How many times do you really, really require that drink? Well, similarly, many people are interested in God, attend church. They say an occasional prayer when they're in trouble. But how many are really, really, really thirsty for God in a way that is similar to when you're really, really thirsty for a drink of water? We spend many times, we'll go to church occasionally, we'll pick up a Bible, we'll crack it open. When all of a sudden something is going crazy in your life and you need God's help and you can't figure out a way out of your issue, then all of a sudden you become thirsty for God. You want to hear the word. Let's go to Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29. We all want to go to church, but then again we go when, when our backs are against the wall. We say all of the right things. Isaiah 29, verse number 13. Isaiah 39, verse number 13. Praise the living God. We say the right things, we talk to people, we say, oh, praise the Lord, we say, bless you, my child, we say this and we say that, but uh, how many times do we really, really thirst for the things of God? Praise God. Isaiah 29, verse number 13. Wherefore the Lord said, for as so much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is, is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among the people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent shall be hid. All right, so going back to verse number 13, Wherefore the Lord said, Forasmuch as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Okay? So God is saying there, and you can underline there, for as much as people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart from me, underline all of that. What he's saying is that people pay great lip service to me. People say all of the right things, and they do this and they do that, but yet still we have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. In other words, the doctrine of men is what they go by. But the doctrine of men is talking about how you should not fear God. But fear in Scripture here in this case is talking about how you should revere God, what kind of reverence you should have towards God. It's going by what men teach them. But it says, but their hearts, their hearts have removed far from me. 
So if you're the kind of person where all you're doing is going by lip service to God, you go to church occasionally, once in a blue moon you pop up for church, or you go a week later, you go here and there, and then you're saying the words praise God, you're saying this and you're saying that, and you run to God when there's a problem, but where is your heart towards God? Where is your heart? Are you simply going by what you hear other people say? Are you simply going by, oh, you know, other people around you are saying, praise the Lord. And you're saying, praise the Lord, praise God, praise Jesus. But deep down in your spirit, where are you relative to your thirst for God? The wisdom of men shall perish. Only God can do miraculous things in our lives. We get thirsty for water because our physical bodies require water. Well, your spirit requires nourishment that can only come from God. So the question is, how thirsty are you? The question is, how thirsty are you? Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. How thirsty are you? Do we only, you know, do we only run to God when there's a need or when we're in trouble? You know, the thing is, the interesting thing about it is that when we're thirsty, you know, we just run to a faucet or run to a bottle of water and we quickly drink it down and and it's all done. And then you feel you feel better off and so forth like that. But do we actually wait until we're in, 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 a, in a state of almost being our, our, um, uh, what's the word, dehydrated before we drink water? No, in most cases we don't. We drink water because you simply get thirsty and it's there and you drink it. But how many times do we just kind of just drift away from God and wait to run to him when we really, really, really become dehydrated, so to speak? But Matthew 5, verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Just please underline all of that. Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Okay? You see, you see we do go about our days, we go about our lives, you know, thinking about God occasionally. We know that God is there. If you ask, do you, someone asks you, do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. You believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes. You know, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. But how really thirsty are you for God? You know, it says here, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Okay, if you're not just if you're not thirsting after God, if you're not really desiring God, then how can you really, really be filled? We think that we can get by in life just by occasionally, you know, thinking about God here and there. But if you're not thirsting after Him, then you cannot really uh, be as victorious as God would like you to be. Blessed are they which are hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you go to Psalm 63, we see some other. We see some other scriptures pertaining to this. Psalm 63. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 63 talks quite a bit about this. Okay, now this was penned by, this was a a, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of, of Judah. Verse number one, 63 verse one. God, thou art my God, only will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. Please underline, my soul thirsteth for thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. 
so as I have seen in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Underline, please. I will lift up my hands in their names. In thy name. This is one instance here where, again, it talks about the raising of hands in praising God, lifting up our hands to worship him. So many times we forget, and, I, and that's a big part, I think, of the church's um, um, issue because of the fact that we are not able to openly show surrendering to God and giving ourselves to God by simply raising our hands to him and praising him. It says, I will lift up my hands, lift up my hands in thy name. He goes on to say, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul falleth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholds me. Those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go down into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. So we see here again the, the, the critical scriptures here are the very beginning one, the first one, where it says, my, my soul, verse number one, my soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. When you've got an issue that you're going through and you've got a problem that is really so big, it's bigger than life, you can't figure out how to manage through a problem in a way that is your dry land. That is your dry wilderness. It's like you're going through this thing and that you're striving to get some answers. You, you, you have something hanging over your head. You, you have a bill that's due. There's some, something going on uh, in your home life. I mean, it's just something that's just going that you just can't, can't deal with. That is your dry land. And if you're wanting, if you're, if you're wanting for answers and if you're trying to find solutions, then you are thirsty for a solution. You are thirsting for someone or something to come in to let you know what it is that you need to do. But as you're so thirsty for, for, for some answers, there is no water in your dry land. There's no water because every place that you turn for an answer, you cannot get satisfaction. You may pick up the phone and call somebody. You may go to a family member. You, 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 you may do this. You may do that. But you're still thirsting after some answers. You see? You see? And this is when you are in that dry place. But instead of you thirsting for answers in all of the wrong places, why don't you try being thirsty after God? You see, and this is where, where we miss the mark so much. And as a matter of fact, I submit to you, why wait until you are in that dry and thirsty place? Why not thirsting for God all of the time? You know, you just don't wait to drink water when you get really, 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 really thirsty. Most of us drink water off and on during the course of the day. Now, of course, if you're busy, you know, especially when you're at work and so forth. When I was working before I retired, many times I'd be running from meeting to meeting to meeting and I would not drink water as regularly as I should. I would not drink it as often as I should. I would sometimes wait until maybe when I got home or something. Or if I went to lunch, I'd have a, I, usually I'd have a soft drink instead of water, even, even at lunch, especially if I'm with other people, you see. But then I remember one time when I was feeling poorly and I went to the doctor and he ran some tests and everything like that. He came back and he said to me, he said, you know what? You are dehydrated. I said, and what? He said, you're dehydrated. And I looked at I guess you could tell by the expression on my face, he said, you know, you don't have to be like out on a desert someplace crawling across the sand, you know, with your tongue hanging out to be dehydrated. You can be dehydrated even in this modern day and age right here in the city. 
you can be dehydrated, okay? And so what had happened was that I was not drinking enough water to the point that my body was literally getting dehydrated and it was manifesting itself in just a, a general feeling of just not feeling well, no energy, you know, some minor aches and pains here and there, and it was dehydrated. See, so at that point, I let myself go away from water to a point where it was becoming having an adverse effect on my body. The same thing. For everything that happens in the natural, there is a spiritual counterpart. The same thing happens in the spirit. You can gradually, gradually, gradually slip away from getting sustenance from God. You can gradually slip away from, from, from paying attention to God, to worshiping God, to praising God, where all of a sudden your spiritual winds up becoming dehydrated because you're not thirsting after God. You're putting off the same way I would put off having a drink of water when I was working, putting off going uh, until I got home to have a drink of water. The same way I put that off, we can do the same things in our spiritual lives. We can stop thirsting after the things of God. Why? Because at the particular point in time, maybe you don't feel anything. Maybe you don't feel like you're missing anything. But, at, but you're not thirsting after God. We as Christians, we as children of God, we need to be constantly thirsting after him. Okay? You do not. Let, let me give you, give you a little insight here. A little tip. You don't always have to be in a super state of religiosity, if you will. You don't always have to be in a super state of, of, of being so pious. You can certainly be thirsting after God where you're walking down the street or in the car and you're looking at the clouds and all of a sudden you see the magnificence of the clouds there and you start thinking about God. God, how did you create those clouds? Gee, I want to know. You know, you know how is it that, 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 that the sun sets every day and rises every day? Gee whiz, I, I, I want to know. You know, there are little things in your life that come up dealing with your family, with your children, with your pets, whatever's going on around you, where God is connected to every single little thing in your life. I said to you last week and the week before about getting into the habit of simply talking to God, not just waiting until it's prayer time. You can talk to God while you're doing the dishes, while you're taking the showers. You don't have to talk to God in King James language. You know, he speaks your language. He knows your name. Try just literally getting into the habit of speaking out loud. Okay, God, I'm going here now. I'm going to Winco, Lord. I'm looking for so-and-so. Please help me to find so-and-so. Where should I go for this? This is thirsting after God. This is, is being to the point where that, where, where that I just want to immerse myself in being around God and God being around me and me being in God and God in me because God is there with you, you see. But so many times we forget the fact that he's nearby. We forget the fact that he's in our lives. He's intertwined with our lives. We forget that, you see. So you get to the point that you're, that you're, that you're, you're thirsting after him, that you really want desire to know more about him. You want to just drink, 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 you know. I don't know if any of you have had a soft drink. You know, I've had a couple over the years that was just really nice. It was just, I mean, just not too sweet. I mean, nice. It was just really nice. And you find yourself, you got a glass and you're sipping on, you take a sip every two seconds, you're sipping, and then eventually you guzzle it down and then you want to go back and you want to refill it because it's just got just the right flavor. Next thing you know, your stomach is bloated and you're kind of feeling uncomfortable. Well, the same way you're thirsting after that good drink, you need to get to the habit of thirsting after God. You see, because what will happen is that one of the times where you're thinking about God and you're asking something of God, God will will give you an insight. He will give you a revelation. You hear that still small voice that we've been talking about over the last two or three Sundays. You hear that still small voice and then all of a sudden it'll, it'll click. All of a sudden it'll click in your mind. It'll click. Gee whiz. God is communicating with me. God is talking to me. And then once you get that feeling, you'll become so accustomed to it, it'll be a good thing. 
You'll enjoy it. Just like that sweet drink I was talking about, where you start thirsting after the things of God. This is the only way that you can really, really access him and bring him into every single aspect of your life. David says, David says in, in uh, verse number two, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Do you know that when you are in the midst of your storm, when you are in the midst of that dry place in your life that you're struggling with, when you're dragging through that desert because you just don't have the answers, you don't know how your problem is going to be solved, when God touches you like that, when God touches you in that own special way, you realize because thy loving kindness is better than life, life, my lips shall praise thee. This is where you get that touch from God. And even though you don't have the answers to your situation right then on the spot, all of a sudden you will realize it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God is here with me and God's going to get me through this. God is going to give me the answers. And then once you realize that, the weight, the burden will be lifted off your shoulders. All of a sudden, that desert that you're clawing through the sand, you know, if you can kind of picture this in your mind's eye, you know, think about like Hollywood, you know. If you're in the sand and you're clawing through the sand, you're clawing through, then all of a sudden, boom, you look up, you pop, and you look up and there's that oasis. The oasis is right there where you see the cool waters there in front of you. And all of a sudden, you know, it's good. All is good. All is good. I'm going to be okay because there's the water. Well, that's, that's the way God is. But you've got to get to the point that you've got to be thirsting after him. You know, the things in our life is like God is standing there with this big, cool bucket of water, if you will, right there, just feet away from you. And here you are in the midst of this problem that's in your life, and you don't realize that that water is there for you because you're not thirsting after him. You're thirsting in all of the wrong places. You're looking around for that water, for those solutions. You're looking behind you. You're looking to the left. And you're looking to the right, to other people, to other things, to, to other excuses, to more sleep, to going back to bed or whatever it might be to solve your problem instead of looking ahead and thirsting after God. Because God's got that, he's got that bucket of cool water to quench your thirst. All right, you, you've got to be, you've got to realize, you know, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you've got to be thirsting after God. How many times per day, how many times per day do you just, uh, do you just whisper, God, I need you? How many times per day do you just whisper, God, I need you? All right? Try doing that. I've been saying to you again over the last few weeks about really, really just talking to God. You don't need to all the time get into formal prayer with God. Can you just simply say while you're standing over your sink, while you're getting into your car, when you're on the way to whatever this issue might be to take care of it, you ever think about just getting, as you're getting into car, as you're getting dressed, as you're showering, God, I need you. God, I need you. You see, you know, you know? and the thing about it is that if you get in the habit of saying that, it doesn't have to be always when you have an issue before you to say, God, I need you. You know, you know, it kind of comes to mind for you to say that more easily when you've got a problem. God, I need you. But if you're really thirsting after God, when there is no apparent problem, you ever think about just getting up in the morning and say, God, I need you. You ever think about when you're going out the door, you're getting in your car behind your wheel, just to say, God, I need you. You're getting onto the bus or wherever you may go, and God, I need you. You're going out the front door, God, I need you. 
You know how many times for the most trivial things. I was trying to, I had a remote control unit and I was trying to get the battery compartment open. It was a little new device. I was trying to get the battery compartment open and I couldn't get that thing open for the life of me. And I prayed, I said, Lord, help me to open this case. Simple as that, Lord, help me. He showed me where to press down on one part of it. The minute I pressed down on it, the thing slid right back open. It was that, as easy as that, you see. But you got to get in the habit of bringing God into every single little aspect of your life. That is thirsting after God. That is thirsting after God, saying that I know that God, I know that you have the answer. What can I do to, 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 to quench my thirst by giving me to an, the answer to that situation? I don't care what it may be, putting up Christmas lights or whatever it might be. Bring God into it. Thirst after him, you see? Because the more you get into the habit of saying to God, God, be with me, go with me. Where are you, God? I need you, God. Are you here? You know, how many times do you simply whisper that? God, I need you, you know. And again, I keep, I want to really dwell on the point here. It doesn't have to always be when you've got a problem. Get into the habit of simply saying, just whispering, God, I need you. God, I need you. Because guess what? Whether or not you feel or see the problem there, you need God. Without God, you don't have a heartbeat. Without God, you don't have a breath. Without God, you don't have sight. Without God, you don't have any of the five senses that you have. Without God, without God, without God. So get into that of simply whispering, God, I need you. So that when you do have a problem before you, it'll be a lot more, a lot more easier for you to get really, really deeply involved with God and get him into the discussion. But how many times a day do you whisper, God, I need you? The Bible is full of scripture mentioning the lifting of hands to God. You know, I read some place that there's at least 15 places in the Bible where it talks about the raising and lifting of hands. How many times do you thirst after God, okay? By lifting your hands and praising him, you know? You know, we, 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 we think that, oh, lifting hand is just, it's just a gesture that these are, um, these are, what do you call, evangelical Christians or, or, or these are uh, other Christians do when they're singing songs and whatnot, you, you know, but I, I raise whatever, you know. Or what about you really surrendering to God? Raising of hands is a universal sign of surrender. Universal, no matter where you are on this earth. The same thing is before God. And the scriptures, the scriptures are full, the Bible is full of references where it talks about the raisings of hands. We sing songs here in this sanctuary. We sing songs where it talks about, I lift my hands unto you. You know, it says, so why not think about surrendering to God and thirsting after him? You know, you know, when you are surrendering, you are saying to the, if you're in a war and someone is coming against you and you're surrendering, what you're saying is, okay, I give up. You do with me what you will. I put myself at your mercy. Well, guess what? If you're not thirsting after God, then you're not really putting yourself at his mercy. You, you, you're not seeking after him. Surrendering and raising your hands is saying to God, I surrender to you, Lord. You take me where you will. How many times during the day do you raise your hands and praise God? Along with, with us saying, God, I need you. A couple of more scriptures here. Let's go to the book of John. John 4. Oops. That's Matthew. Now here we go, John. Praise the living God. Okay, John 4. 
starting with verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. In other words, he had to go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. By the way, underline there being wearied, underline that for future reference, because you can see here where it says that in Jesus' humanity, that he was also just like us, said that he was wearied, he was tired. We think that Jesus, because of the fact that he was God, well, he was also man. Can you explain that away theologically? No, no man can. Okay, but he was man just as much as God, and he was God just as much man. But it says he was wearied with his journey. So he sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. At that point in time in history, um, there was a big conflict between the Jewish people and, and those of Samaria. Um, that's where you've heard of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. That story comes from where uh, people, other people pass by, but there's one Samaritan person who normally would not have tended to a Jew, stopped and gave aid to the person, to the Jewish person. So there was a big rift between the Jews and the Samaritans. So she's saying, you being a Jew, ask drink of me, which I was a Samaritan woman. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse number 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God... And who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Underline living water. Would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Okay, now see, she doesn't understand where Jesus is coming from, which is the case many times when Jesus spoke. She's thinking of him dipping into the well to give her some water. And he's saying, you don't have anything to dip water out. Now, where are you going to get this living water from? Verse 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Please underline that. Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. So underline all of that. So what he's saying is that the water that is in this well, if you drink from that, you'll, you'll, you'll be thirsty again. And it's the same thing in our lives. You drink from your water bottle or you drink from your glass of water or whatever from the faucet. Later on, you're thirsty. Okay? None of us have taken a drink of water in the natural and you're never thirsty again because, well, that water doesn't quench your thirst forever and ever. But Jesus is saying that water that I'm talking about, though, though, though that it shall, it shall, uh, he shall never thirst again. And the water he's going to give shall be in him as a well of water springing up into everlasting life. 
The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, Well, do you have no husband? For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saith thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art, art a prophet. Now she's beginning to think that something is different about him. Our fathers worshipped in these mountains, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. See, in other words, they were worshiping, and Jesus saying, you don't know what you worship. You don't know what you're worshiping at all. He says, I'm the one that's of salvation. He's talking about, he's saying that what I'm going to give to you is going to be water that shall satisfy you and bring everlasting life. You see, we have to thirst after God because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That when we thirst after God, when Jesus quenches, quenches your thirst, he is going to be giving you answers. He will be revealing things to you that will be, um, how can I say, that, that will be more, more impacting than just a casual drink of water or just a casual knowledge that a man can give you. You can go to church all day long. You can read the Bible from, from cover to cover. You can listen to someone up giving an eloquent sermon, talking very, very articulately. The bottom line, though, is that the water that you're going to get is not going to come from that man. The water, the answers, the things about God, the deep things about God is going to come from Jesus Christ, which will be revealed to you by his Holy Spirit. You see, this is where you start getting that water that quenches everything that's in your life. The problems that's going on in life, you cannot get answers to from another man. You've got to be thirsting after God. You've got to really want to know the deeper things of God to get those, have those problems answered. To have revelation knowledge and revelation insight of things that are yet to come in your life. Where God will be telling you, don't go to the left, but go to the right. Because these are the kinds of water that Jesus can put into your life. Because it's really, it's everlasting and it's much more deep and true than what any man can teach you or anything else. Jesus says, you worship, uh, you worship, you know not what. You know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Please underline. The hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the, the Father seeketh such to worship him. Underline that too. For the Father seeks such to worship him. To worship him. In other words, it's saying here, the Father is seeking those who are willing to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? That's worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth is... More than just you going to church occasionally. It's more than you picking up the Bible to read it once or twice a month, you know, or maybe reading it once a week. It's more than you just saying your prayers just in the morning and just in the night. Okay? Worshiping God for us Christians who are really, really Christians takes place 24-7. Takes place 24-7. There's no set time for you to be worshiping God. There's no set time for you to be praying to God. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth means that I'm worshiping God in my spirit. I'm worshiping God by saying, um, um, Lord, be in my life. 
Lord, I praise you. I love you. Lord, I know that you are the, you are the sum of everything that's important in this existence. Lord, I can't do anything without you. I praise you. I exalt you. We sang this song today. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. And I mean, we need to be exalting God and worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, when you find someone that just goes to church occasionally, just occasionally cracks the Bible, just occasionally says a prayer, that person is not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Because God is an afterfact, an afterthought. God just happens to be thought of every now and then, for, you know, sporadically. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth means that he's a part of your life. Where you're breathing God and, 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 and you're saying, God, go with me when you wake up in the morning. When you go out in the afternoon, God, be with me. You, you know, or, or did you ever stop and think that, you know, and many of us, I guess, you know, sometimes you, just feel, you may feel silly doing it. But you ever stop and just think and just say, so God... How are you today? How are you this morning, Lord? Good morning, God. Thank you for watching over me last night. How are you? Come with me, Lord. I'm going down to Walmart. Lord, I'm looking for so-and-so at Walmart. Can you help me to find it? You ever think about just including God in your conversation in just that fashion? You find yourself doing that, and you're starting to, to bring God into your life, and you're worshiping him in spirit. And in truth, it's more than just you verbalizing, saying it with your, with your lips, but you're saying it from deep within your spirit because you really start to believe that God can hear you and that God is there. You see, we got to get past the, 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 the things that, that, um, that men, that people teach us and written things teach us that God is this great spirit that is just kind of floating around out there and getting away from understanding that God is very, very personal. He wants to be a part of your life. He loves being involved in your life, you know. I get so much joy when the grandkids are around and I enjoy seeing them and so forth. I enjoy seeing them when they come running up. Hi, Poppy. Hi, Poppy. And so forth like that. I enjoy that. Imagine how God feels when you come running up to him. You ever think about that? You think about what joy God gets out of when you say to him, good morning, God. God, go with me. Oh, I love you, Lord. Or so-and-so are having a casual conversation. You see something on the newspaper and it's just going crazy and you say, Oh, Lord, I know you're in charge, God, because that's the most silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. And you need to start getting to that point because the way things are happening in this country with the politics that's out there and what's going on, you've got to realize and believe that God is the one that's in charge and he's going to be the only one to fix this mess. As I said to you last week, that I prophesied to you last week that 2019 is going to be a challenging year. For Christians, and you need to start figuring out how is it that you're going to, and I won't say cope because cope means you're just getting by, but how are you going to remain to be victorious in 2019 when we see the things coming about that are going to come about? You start seeing the changes that man is going to be trying to bring about. When you see the inequities, when you see the injustices that are going on in this country and across the world, and when you see that all things are going to hell in a handbasket, all right. All right. When you see the craziness of where uh, I forget which state it was or which city it was in because of the fact that they had two religious statues or something in a public square, a public park, uh, a park or something like that. They were allowed to erect this demonic statue, a satanic statue between the two Christian symbols. They were allowed to put it up. Okay, because these people were saying, oh, gee whiz, well, if the Christians can do this, then why can't we uh, uh, devil worshippers do the same thing? And man permitted it to happen. You see, so all sorts of weird and crazy things are going to be coming about in 2019. And if we aren't ready and prepared for that, then we are, you're going to get caught up in the wind. 
You're going to get caught up and you're going to be just worried and concerned and you won't be able to lift your head. And there will be some people that will stop, that'll start dropping out of church altogether. There will be people that will just stop coming to church. You're going to see more and more. And that in the Bible prophesied that too. They call it the great falling away. We see people falling away from church left and right. You see, you see, because of the fact they're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and they're not learning how and not believing how they can let God be a part of their lives as God wants to be a part of the life. As God wants to be. So are we thirsty for God? Are we thirsty? Or do we just take an occasional, an occasional drink of him? All right. So again, going back to 23, it says, but the hour cometh. And now is when the true, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks who will worship him. God is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Please put a highlight all along that, that all through verse 24 or put a bracket. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't say it any more profoundly than that. In other words, you've got to be on God's level. You got to be where God is. You can't worship God on a physical plane. Okay, this is why it's not enough for for those that are um, that uh, may go to church or whatever you want to call it, and they'll walk down the aisle and they'll light seven candles or whatever it is, and they'll do a thing like this, make a sign of the cross. And I'm not I'm not knocking anybody, and maybe some of those people really really do love the Lord, but being misguided, and they're missing the fact that God is not just in that big big, big physical building where all you got to do is simply light some candles. That's not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit, which means that we need to connect with God on that spiritual level, because don't forget, you are a spirit. You are a spirit. Okay, your spirit is housed in a body, which gets you around this three dimensional physical world. And you have a soul, which is your mind. Okay, but you are a spirit. So and God is a spirit. So in order for us to worship him in spirit and in truth, that means that we have to connect with him with our spirits, which takes us beyond that physical level of simply writing candles or simply even just reading the Bible or going to church occasionally. It means that you've got to really get to the point where your spirit is connecting with God and that's where you're worshiping him. And it starts with us, of course, on a physical level because we're in a physical world. Amen. But it starts with us lifting our hands up and praising him. In, in, in connecting during praise and worship time of the service, when we are connecting with God in our spirits, where we're saying, this is going, I'm not worried about who's looking at me. I'm not looking, worried about, I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to connect with you, Holy Spirit. I'm listening to you, Lord. Just touch me, touch me, touch me. Let me touch you. This is worshiping, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It's taking you beyond the physical, um, the physical things that we do when we go to church. Amen. And worshiping that, therefore, takes us outside of the physical church building. It takes us into our homes, takes us into our jobs. It takes us into the supermarket. It takes us into whatever we're doing in life because God is a spirit. Right. When you're sitting in your car and and you're talking to God and you know that he's there in the car with you, you're not going to reach over to the passenger side and, and touch him and feel him because he's not there physically, but he's there spiritually. And you are there spiritually. So that's where you got to connect with him. Okay, and I'm not saying this. These words are written in red. If you have a red letter Bible, meaning that Jesus Christ is saying that he's saying God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Jesus would not be pointing that out if there was not a difference between worshiping in spirit and in truth and simply physically worshiping God. It means that you not you got to get to a deeper level. And that's what I'm saying to you now. And I'm saying to you last week that coming next year, 2019, there's going to be things changing and happening in this world. When are we Christians going to learn how to get to the point where we, we are worshiping God in spirit? OK, there needs to be a great revival. Christians are asleep. Christians, many Christians are becoming the walking dead. They're walking around this planet doing all of the things that they think are the right things to do to proclaim their Christianity, to let others know, gee, look at me, I'm a Christian, you know, you know, wearing their crosses, got a big Bible on the cross, on the coffee table, and nothing wrong with wearing crosses, nothing wrong with having a big Bible on your coffee table. But what I'm saying is that we need to connect with God on a much deeper level. We've got to get with God where he is, and that is in the spirit realm, because God is spirit. Verse 24 again, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Wanting to go from the everyday, casual, quote-unquote, worshiping God, I go to church, I tithe, I give offerings, doing that, you know, I read my Bible, okay? Doing that is the physical, I'll just say for, for, for the sake of words, everyday thing that a Christian does. Thirsting after God is worshiping God at that spiritual level. Okay, that's thirsting after God. In other words, it's not enough for me, Lord. Lord, it's not. Yes, Lord, I went to Sunday service. I went to the evening service. I went to the midweek service, Lord. I did my tithes. I did my offerings. I'm on the usher's board. I'm on this. I'm on that. I'm in the choir. Okay, that's all great and wonderful things. All right. But to get from that level where you're involved with God that way to really, really, really getting with God on a spiritual level, that's what this is talking about. This is thirsting after him. Okay? This is like after driving, after being on a, being on, on a skateboard all of your life, going to work, where you're saying, I need a car. <laughs> all right? I'm, I'm tired of the skateboard. I want a car. I want, I want, I want a nice car. Okay, okay. And then you start, you start looking at the brochures. You start going on the internet. You start doing a comparison. You start figuring out how you can pay for it. Okay. This is, this is thirsting after that car. Well, the same way we do that for material things, okay, come Black Friday, how many of us were poised before our computers with our fingers on the mouse going browsing through the internet to see what you could get the best sales on? I know I was certainly there. See what I could get the best sales on on Good Friday. All right? All right. Some people went down to the stores. Some people had tents. You went by Best Buy. My wife and I drove by Best Buy that Tuesday, I think it was, before Thanksgiving. And already we saw where they were, were starting to partition off the areas there where people are going to be standing in line and putting tents up. Because they were thirsting after those things that Best Buy was going to have on sale. Okay? Right? So if you've got, ever had anything materially that you wanted so badly, you did all of this, this research and you, 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 that was you thirsting after that. Well, that's where we need to move to as Christians, where we're thirsting after God so much that we will go through the research. We will, we will talk to him. We will find out, well, well God, if that's the case, then why so-and-so? You know, uh, how does that work, Lord? Hey, you know, the, your Bible said this and that. The Bible said this. Lord, how does that? How? How? Why? Why? This is thirsting after God. This is wanting to know him. This is you bringing him, him into, into your life on a daily basis, moment by moment. Verse 25 uh, says there, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah, Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, 
I, I that speak unto you am he. So it says, I am he. Verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man, yet no man said, what seeketh thou or why talkest thou with her? See, they knew he was, that she was a Samarian, a Samaritan. The woman uh, then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, while his disciples prayed him, prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, another, um, said disciples one to, sorry, one to another, Hath any man brought him something to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying, true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now you, you believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And now that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, after two days, he departed thence and, and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into, uh, into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went into the feast. So we see here where Jesus was telling them what needed to be done. He was saying to, to this woman that, that I am he. Well, Jesus is saying to you today that he is who he says he is. But are you going to thirst after him? Are you really, really going to want to look to the deeper things of God? God is a spirit. You are a spirit. This is where you need to worship him. This is where you need to worship him. Okay? Spirit and in truth. And what is truth? Truth is the word of God. Truth is the word of God. Truth is not something that some man would tell you or something that are, uh, is a doctrine of some bunch of people or some group of people. It's what the word of God says to you. And then worshiping God is connecting with God uh, or at the spiritual level. So how thirsty are you? Are you tired of that skateboard you've been riding on and you wanted a new car? You certainly went on and you did that. Well, are you tired of living the life that you're living? Are you tired of, of, of having anxieties when things pop up? Are you tired of being in a dry land when problems come your way? Are you tired of feeling like you don't have the solutions to certain things that are in your life? Well, this is when you're thirsty. This is when you're thirsty. And you can look any place that you want or every other place that you want where God is not and your thirst is not going to be quenched. You will not receive the answers. Any answers that you might might pull together in your little puny mind, okay, will be short-lived. <laughs> All right? They'll come to a dead end. Or they, they just won't solve your problem, you know. Or, or you may find some temporary relief. 
But what, what you are looking for and what God is wanting you to have and wanting you to understand is that there is a much deeper relationship that he wants with you. You know, the beautiful thing about God is it's not like you. You know, we see these, we see these movies, you know, where, where some guy or, or some woman is going after a guy or, 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 or a woman. That, and and there is what they call unrequited love. In other words, there's no love returned. This person is doing all the pursuing, all the chasing, and the other one doesn't want to know him, doesn't want to see him. Well, that's not the way it is with God, okay? You call to God, he's not going to keep walking. He's not going to be walking away from you. You try to reach out to God, he's not going to rebuff you or turn you away. You know, just the opposite. He's going to open his arms and come, and come to you and beckon you to come to him. And this is what he has done, and this is what he continues to do. He continues to call unto us. But how many of us are really thirsting after God? How many of us are really, really, really desiring to know the deeper things of him, the truths of him? Amen? Amen? So ask yourself, how thirsty are you? How thirsty are you? And, uh, uh, and understand clearly that the only way to quench your thirst is through the living God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.